0: Welcome to our podcast series on child wellbeing with Professor Darrell Higgins from Australian Catholic University. In this series, we explore the mental health of young Australians and how parents can help their children during difficult times. health of the young has been in the spotlight again recently due to the impact of COVID-19. One group, the Parenting and Family Research Alliance, has highlighted the need for more parental help so children's mental health issues can be better dealt with. Daryl Higgins is Director of Australian Catholic University's Institute of Child Protection Studies and is one of the key researchers behind the alliance. Welcome to Figuring Out Families, uh, Daryl.
1: Thanks, it's great to be with you and your listeners.
0: Terrific to have you on board. And we won't tell them some of the technical issues with that getting here, but it's good to talk to you and uh, to see you. Let's start with an. Yeah, that's It's called right. resilience, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it is resilience. And we need that in this day and age, I tell you. Uh, let's start with an explanation of the Parenting and Family Research
1: Alliance uh, and what you hope to achieve. Yeah, thanks, David. So the Parenting and Family Research Alliance is a, is a loose collective of academics and people who are involved in design and delivery of um, programs and services and supports for improving the capacity of parents to parent well. So um, it could be delivery of structured programs, or it could be delivery of other mechanisms of support um, to try and enhance the the knowledge and the skill set that parents have to do the best job they can. For their children, and so um, a number of uh, of us as as researchers who are involved in either designing these kind of programs or involved in evaluations um, or research more generally around parents and parenting came together and said, we need to do better our 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 um, Australian community deserves better and one way we can help that is for us as researchers to do better and that is not to be um, working in our own little silos um, and often competing with each other for very limited um, grant funding, um, but in fact to be working across those silos and to be collaborating and so uh, we, we came together. And we have been working on a number of projects such as the one that I think has come to your attention, uh, a, a review piece that looks at, well, what in fact is the value of um, parenting interventions um, and what's their evidence base in terms of addressing uh, children's uh, health and well-being issues and uh, the satisfaction and well-being of parents as well?
0: Okay, no, fair enough. COVID, of course, has been a big issue across the board but is it true to say that young people have been impacted more so than other age groups or just differently? I mean, we understand that um, a lot of elderly people have died obviously during COVID, but uh, it seems to be impacting or affecting a lot of young people
1: now, especially. That's right, and I think that I would say probably it's affecting them differently. I think the, there probably hasn't been that comparison work yet to say, you know, it's more right. or less than other age groups. I think every age group has felt the impacts, but in a different way. Certainly working um, families have experienced it in terms of having to juggle the issue of children um, learning at home. And I'm from Victoria and, and certainly we experienced that um, much more strongly and for a longer period of time than many other states and Territories, but I think to a degree, everyone across Australia has uh, experienced that. We certainly know the health impacts for the elderly and particularly the vulnerable. So those in um, you know, aged care and uh, mental health and disability mm. um, facilities and services, um, we know that they've been um, very significantly impacted, but children and young people, absolutely. There was a, a report recently from the National Children's Commissioner highlighting this very issue. Um, There've been lots of reports highlighting that the um, lack of engagement with school systems has been to the detriment of children and young people. Um, And I also know that in terms of their engagement with um, what we call, you know, child welfare services, including at the most pointy end, involvement with statutory child protection services, we know that there's been a bit of a hiatus, particularly in those Um, jurisdictions where there has been uh, a stronger lockdown and for longer periods, internationally, there's been um, evidence to show that there's been a reduction in the number of um, reports of concerns about children's welfare and, and more importantly, from my point of view, a reduction in the access to the kind of um, welfare supports, including access to parenting programs, like we're talking about um, for families during COVID. However, I think we shouldn't just see it as a bad thing. We should also see it as an opportunity. And I've heard from many um, service providers how they've actually had to switch to you know, online service delivery. There's many evidence-based parenting programs that are available online, um, and there's also you know kind of new models of practice that are starting to operate. Just as you know, many of us who who you know see a GP regularly have seen. Well, there's other ways of seeing a GP other than you know driving or catching public transport um, to to visit your GP. You can see you know her or him online, and so that's kind of the way in which I think uh, you know as a community we've had to do that but of course you know whether children and young people are equally um, being the target of those adaptations and are able to take it up and benefit from that I think only time will tell.
0: Yes and uh, you mentioned Melbourne and I'm in Melbourne too of course and we went through six lockdowns and uh, more so than any other state so you'd expect that in the years ahead there could be some issues there with young people. Um, The lockdowns were particularly tough, especially the sixth one, uh, I think, last year.
1: Yes, although, of course, we also see that there are some small groups of children and young people who benefited and often it's those who were struggling with the kind of typical engagement that is expected of them in schools and other social environments so we know that uh, children who might be on the autism spectrum disorder um, may in fact have appreciated the different way of operating and able to be in control of their own environment perhaps more than they could be at school so we have to remember that there are that There's a diversity, if you like, of experiences, and we need to be thinking of ways of of catering best to um, the diverse needs of children and young people, their parents and their families and communities more broadly.
0: Sure. Daryl, you say that parents need quicker and more improved access to evidence-based support programs to address these rising mental health problems. Is that one of your key uh, findings in the the media release that I, I read a couple of weeks ago?
1: Yeah, that's right, David, and and uh, I suppose for two reasons. One is that we know that there's a, a, a very um, significant body of research showing the um, positive impacts that engagement with various types of parenting programs, so be they structured parenting programs, or more broadly, um, kind of parent support systems. And that could be delivered through, you know, through schools and through other um, kind of community agencies, ranging from very low-intensity support, such as having positive parenting messages in, you know, kind of newsletters and in, you know, kind of community engagement um, processes, through to what we think of as the more um, structured kind of programs where, you know, you go along to a a class and you hear from an expert about, you know, a particular issue through to the most intensive kind of supports for parents where they're really struggling with children with, you know, very significant um, behavioural or conduct um, problems Mm. and are needing specialised and targeted um, support in order to be able to um, improve their parenting practices and more importantly respond to their children's needs and we know of course that that also changes over time that the needs that um, a family might have when they're uh, dealing with uh, a newborn baby are quite different to you know a child of you know early school age or um, a teenager and uh, that's one of the things that evidence-based parenting programs responsive to is where in that parenting journey are you and uh, how are you able to um, be child focused and change and adapt your you know your kind of parenting um style and the the kind of routines and rules that you might have in place in the household um to be flexible and adaptive as children develop and their their needs change Mm
0: -hmm. I certainly remember the when our kids were very young, uh, two, three, four, uh, I'm glad I wouldn't want to revisit those years in some respects. Lack of sleep and the terrible twos and it uh, was an interesting period of uh, when the kids are that young, I tell you.
1: Yeah, look and that's that's a really interesting point David and and that is that everybody, needs help and support at some time it can be very minimal help and support it could be just yep we understand that this is a difficult thing and these are the kind of experiences that other parents at your age and stage of life will be going through to kind of normalize that but I think that everyone also would value some um you know, concrete kind of actions that they can take to kind of either reinforce the good stuff that they're doing or perhaps, you know, learn about some different approaches that they might wanna try out and see if they're effective. Um, And that's really the main point that we make in this paper is that despite the, Um, significant evidence of positive impacts in a whole range of you know issues to do with children's behaviour children's health children's well-being and parenting um, skills and knowledge and parent well-being relationship satisfaction all of those things despite that in um, very significant body of evidence to show that it works very few parents get access to those programs Mm -hmm. and um, there's very little funding for that and unfortunately often the access comes when there's a very significant problem and parents might be coming to the attention of a welfare agency or even um, directly with a child protection agency and they get a referral to say you need to attend a parenting program. And our point is that's too little too late when we know that all parents need support along the way and that it can be delivered and we have the evidence base to show what is effective in um, improving parenting practices and ultimately in improving the well-being of children and of families.
0: Yeah, and the, the first few years, especially, you feel like you're fumbling around in the dark. Uh, none of us know, especially with the first baby, what you're doing, whether it's right, wrong or whatever. And I think we're all in the same boat. It's a, it's a, you learn as you go along. And uh, probably the bigger family you have by the time you get to number five or six. And I came from a family of six. I think mum and dad were fairly confident they were getting things right.
1: Yeah. And, and, and also, of course, you know, um, learning from experience um, is an important thing. Um, But often now when we have, you know, much smaller families, typically, um, there isn't that opportunity to kind of, you know, keep practicing until you get it right. And sometimes, you know, there's um, opportunities that get missed along the way to actually, you know, improve and learn for, you know, the older child. And, um, you know, she or he deserves just as much as younger children to have um, grown up in environments with parents who are skilled and confident and supported. Sure. What, what more needs to be done? Is it just a matter of um,
0: governments providing more money to different uh, agencies or are there other things that uh, can be done?
1: Yeah, look, I, I do think government funding is an important step but it's only one step. And one of the um, things that I often talk about is the need for these services to be available in places that parents want them. So, yeah, going off and signing up at a specific kind of relationship service or, you know, child and family welfare service to do a parenting program may work for some people. But what we also know is that um, parents typically say that they trust and want to receive advice from sources like their local school. So they'll trust the teacher and they'll want to receive that advice from the teacher. Same with early childhood education and the importance of uh, uh, childcare educators to be um, that source of advice and support Um, equally the health system is a really important one. We know that you know, right from the beginning, one of the most trusted sources of advice and support is the um, maternal and child health nurse. They're called different things in mm. different parts of the country. Yes. Um, but then we often have a gap. So, you know, your baby's born and there's very little or no contact going forward. Um, but yet we do have typically fairly regular um, contact with GPs and the health system in that sense. So being able to get advice and support from your local GP clinic, whether it be that, you know, that funding allows, uh, you know, a practice nurse at each GP clinic to be skilled in delivering some of that kind of support and advice, and more importantly, being able to refer on when they know that there's a greater level of intensity of support that's required. Same with schools, you know, and I hear some really positive um, Uh, stories of things like family support workers being located in schools my question is why isn't that in every school why aren't we as a community valuing um, children and families and valuing the role of parents to provide what we know are evidence-based supports sure are you talking about um, primary
0: schools or across uh, primary and secondary schools
1: Let's start with primary, but I think it should be right across because we know that the challenges of parenting are likely to be different in secondary school um, and the kind of skills that you might need and the kind of adaptations that you might need to have to the way in which you um, parent and care for um, your children are likely to be different.
0: Sure. And uh, as we know, yeah, I mean, uh, the teenage years can be problematic uh, around year nine, year 10. The uh, Kids can go a little bit off the planet at times. And uh, it's probably uh, that, that stage where parents need some help as well.
1: That's right. You know, and of course, parents go off the planet at different points for a whole range of reasons. and we Guilty. Know that, um, Guilty. <laughs> yeah. Some parents, you know, suffer from very particular um, challenges and it might be their own mental health challenges. It might be because of, um, you know, uh, an issue such as intellectual disability or uh, a- another form of challenge in their lives. Um, that's making it difficult for them to uh, provide the best support available. Um, They might be suffering from a relationship breakdown or they might be experiencing family violence. Mm -hmm. And so how do we tailor the access to, you know, parenting programs and supports to meet the, the challenges and the needs that parents have across the life cycle, but... To also need to to address the kind of diversity of need that they have, and the reality is that there are parenting programs that are not just generic, mm. but are tailored to meeting some of those specific needs of you know parents who have some of those real challenges, including you know drug and alcohol issues, um, and we shouldn't be uh, you know just kind of you know throwing children under the bus by saying parents who who uh, have these challenges uh, don't deserve to be a parent and they should just pull their socks up. The reality is they have complex lives. They deserve support to be the best parents that they can and their children deserve to have their parents be supported in that way. I've got to say one of the most um, striking things in my entire career as a researcher in this space was um, talking with children and young people who were in out of home care And one of the main reasons for removal from the care of their parents was issues to do with drug and alcohol misuse and broader family violence. And when I said to those children, um, you know, about their experiences and asked them, you know, how they felt about being in out-of-home care and, you know, what they would like to see happen. And if there was a message that I could give to the person in charge, you know, if I was speaking to the minister um, who's responsible for the systems that are meant to be supporting them, what would they want me to say? And consistently, the message was, get the help for my parents that I need, that they need. You know, so they recognised that there was a lack of um, supports to be able to address the obstacles that were getting in the way of doing the best job of parenting that they could. Sure. We need to listen to children. They have the wisdom. And uh, and it's unfortunate that as a society, and I've got to say that that piece of research I did um, was more than twenty years ago. Uh, no, but just coming on twenty years ago now, and we're still at the same point where we know that mm. um, parents are not getting access to the programs that we know can help and support them.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a very good point. There's some strategies parents can adopt to assist their children if they're uh, there are places they can go or. Uh... Um, I'm just not sure I mean, my, my kids are much older now, so I can't remember but I remember the maternal child uh, nurse that you mentioned earlier. but are there yes. places parents can go to seek help?
1: Yeah, absolutely and look, one of the one of the um sources of support that many parents do turn to is things like online supports. And of course, you know, the online world out there is a—it's um, you know a bit of a brave new world. Yes. Um, it's a wild frontier, but there are some evidence-based sources of support, and one of the best ones, funded by government, is the Raising Children's Network. Okay. So um, RCN—if you Google it—it's got an incredible amount of advice and support, and also capacity to be able to link you into you know getting further help and support. Um, there's a number of um, Uh, agencies that are typically working in this space so relationships australia run a lot of um, Mm -hmm. programs as do almost any of the cares you know catholic care anglic care Uh, that care, um, et cetera. There's there's a whole range of agencies that you can reach out to. Um, There's family relationship centers that are funded through the family law system to try and prevent relationship breakdown. And of course they do a lot of preventive work in this space in terms of addressing the challenges of relationships and parenting. Um, and, of course, the professional groups as well. So the Australian Psychological Society, which I know about. I'm a, I'm a psychologist, but I'm sure that there's plenty of others as well, such as uh, social workers and so forth, who their professional associations would be able to point people either to individual practitioners mm. um, or agencies where they can um, sign up and get this kind of support.
0: Sure. And there's certainly uh, people need a lot of support. I mean, even before covid um, Family issues, family breakdowns, uh, people have always needed support, whether it be the parents, the children, whatever. But you just wonder uh, with COVID in the last two years, whether those issues have been um, or have increased uh, dramatically. And I guess we'll see a lot of that unfold in the next couple of years. That's right. Yeah. Daryl, we're running out of time. Um, I want to talk to you again at some stage. Some of the main points, if you want to just recap, that you would like to highlight from this podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks, David. So, uh, you know, I think the main point is that we know that all parents need and deserve to get support at different times in their life. We can all benefit from having that. We know that there's a range of different programs that can help and support, and they vary in their intensity, and they vary in the kind of issues that they're trying to resolve, from um, really uh, simple, positive parenting um, supports and strategies from from schools and newsletters and community radio stations um, through to intensive supports for those parents who've got very particular needs and whose um, children have particular challenges that may require an adjustment or a different way of approaching the, um, the complex but rewarding task of parenting. And I think that as a community, We deserve to do better for our children and we deserve to do better for our parents to support them in doing the best job they can.
0: Yeah, that's a a very good point. And you're right. It is a very rewarding experience. I still have memories of pushing my son in a pram at three in the morning up and down the hallway because he wouldn't sleep. That seemed to go on for many, many months, if not years, but I'm sure I'm exaggerating. But uh, very rewarding. uh, And we all get through it at the end. Absolutely. Lovely talking to you, Daryl. We'll talk again. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure.